So the reading today is from the very last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, starting at verse 6, and is on page 1250 in the Bibles. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any who share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, it used to be, a long, long time ago, 
that we only sang Christmas carols after Christmas Day. Uh, now we sing after Christmas Day the ones that we haven't sung before Christmas. And uh, we're going to sing one now. As with gladness, men of old, let's stand to sing. Be great if you had Revelation 22 open. Uh, Revelation 22 open, page 1250. Um, let me say, if you are a pathfinder and you're in the sermon, there can be no more important last words than these. Uh, let me uh, pray for us and then let's look at these. Father, thank you that uh, as the angel reminded the Apostle John, these words are trustworthy and true. And so, Father, we do ask that you would uh, speak to us as a church through these wonderful last words, and that as a church we would respond with faith and obedience, with repentance and praise. Indeed, that we would worship the Lord Jesus with all of our lives, and indeed, we will continue to do that when he comes again in glory in the new heavens and the new earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is a wonderful passage to end 2023 with and to launch us as a church into 2024. As I've said, lasting, last words are lasting words. Um, closing lines matter. Uh, the author wants to leave us with um, either joy and excitement and maybe a little intriguing possibility of something more in the future. Some people want to leave us with utter gloom. If you read 1984, the last line of 1984, um, it is a reminder of George Orwell's pessimism about the human race. But these last words in the book of Revelation uh, should encourage us and strengthen us and challenge us and give us glorious hope as a church. Now, in fact, the whole book has been doing that. If you remember, the opening chapters of this book of Revelation were to encourage churches to endure patiently and serve faithfully, even though there is opposition and suffering and persecution for the church. And then in these last two chapters, there has been a marvelous description of the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, a place in the presence of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, where the redeemed, those who are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, will be with God and where there'll be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. It is a glorious picture that chapters 21 and 22 uh, describe. But today, what does the Lord Jesus require of us as a church as we go into 2024? 
If you look down to verse 16 of this last chapter, page 1250, you'll see that uh, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you, plural, this testimony for the churches. This is addressed to churches. We saw that right at the start, to different churches in the early church. It is addressed to churches all down the ages. Now let me say this is an important, and I'm going to say exciting year for us as a church. Do we stay as part of the Church of England and contend faithfully with a disobedient house of bishops with no doctrinal discipline? Do we stay and contend with hundreds of faithful local churches doing great gospel work? Or do we join formally the vast majority of faithful and doctrinally disciplined Anglicans who are aligned with the churches of the Global South and with GAFCON? Let me say that next week's meeting is to keep the church informed. No decisions are going to be made. We are progressing slowly, and I think that's good, and prayerfully, and that's even better. Uh, it will be an opportunity for questions and comments. And then in the summer, I will step down as a senior minister. Uh, but let me say, a, a new minister can't be appointed until we're clear about the future direction of the church. In addition, we're still looking for a children, schools and youth worker. Please do pray. We've had an inquiry, a promising inquiry this week, and we need more administrative help. Please can I encourage us to pray. We could be preoccupied by, the, by those things. We could be uh, preoccupied by lots of church politics, um, hopefully outside the Trinity Church. But what is God's word for us as a church for 2024? I mean, the big idea of these last few verses of Revelation is crystal clear, isn't it? Look with me at verse 7. This is the big idea. Look, I am coming soon. Verse 7. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Have we got the big message? Jesus is coming soon. Do we really believe that? There are many sceptics and scoffers around us, even tragically within the visible church. I remember when I was a chaplain uh, up in Edinburgh, it's a boarding school in Edinburgh, and I had the chairman of Christian Aid Scotland come and preach um, the headmaster had invited him, and he came and uh, I'd spoken about the return of Jesus. It was in, it was in Advent, and um, uh, he said to me afterwards, you don't really believe that, do you? But look back to verse 6. The angel said to me, that is the writer John, these words are true, trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the things that must soon take place. 
And indeed, that has been the consistent message and emphasis that these words are trustworthy and true. It was the consistent teaching of the Lord Jesus himself and his apostles. Think of the dawn. Morning after morning, the dawn breaks. We expect it and we love it. If we're up at that time when the sun comes up, there's something wonderful about uh, the dawn on a summer's day. But the coming of Jesus is more certain than the dawn. One day, dawn will not break because Jesus will have come. One day, this world as we know it will end, uh, not through a, a nuclear holocaust. That was the great fear when I was growing up. Uh, possibly there's even greater danger of a nuclear holocaust or a nuclear war uh, now when it's maybe less prom prominent, not through a pandemic, not through an extinction event linked to the environment, not through a giant meteor hurtling through out from outer space. Now, these things might happen to a greater or lesser extent, but this world will end when Jesus comes again. But we may well ask, why has it taken so long? Jesus says, soon, look, I'm coming soon. That does not mean immediately. There is a Greek word that means that. Rather, the word here means without any unnecessary delay or at the first appropriate moment. There is no inability on the part of Jesus, no reluctance, but when God the Father decides, Jesus will come back. And what is the response that's called for? Well, look just to the end of verse 9. Look at the end of verse 9. Worship God. If you like, there is the big idea. Jesus is coming soon. And there is the overarching response. Worship God. What matters first is worship of God. Father, Son, and spirit. And of course, as uh, all of us know, and uh, we've taught consistently here at Trinity, worship is all of our lives. Read the beginning of Romans chapter 12 to be reminded of that. Uh, if we just narrow worship to singing praise songs, and let me say, praising God is a wonderful thing to do, but if we just narrow it to that, we actually narrow what true worship is. Because worship is how we live our lives, showing the worth of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is all of our lives, at work, at school, in the home, in our pastimes, in all our relationships. Let me say, just say, it's been wonderful these last few weeks to hear your singing. And I'm sure that actually uh, working through Revelation has helped that, because it, it, it inspires hope, doesn't it? And the Lord Jesus is so central. But what John does in these last few words is to focus on some specific things that are part of that whole of life of worship. Look at these. Firstly, keep his trustworthy words. Keep his trustworthy word. Look what John says in verse 7. Look, I'm coming soon. 
uh, recording the words of the Lord Jesus. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. And then John records an interchange between him and the angel. Verse 8, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. So if we're going to worship God as servants of the Lord Jesus, that will mean obeying his trustworthy word, keeping his trustworthy word. Of course, that doesn't mean locking it up. Quite the reverse. It means living it out and speaking it. So verse 10, look at this. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. An echo of words in Daniel. And the point is now, keep, keep this book open. Until Jesus comes, read and study and listen. And above all, keep it and obey it. Whenever God reveals the future, it is to change lives in the present. It is to change lives in the present. And part of our worship a massive part of our worship is to keep obeying God's true and trustworthy word and allowing him, by his word, to change our lives. And then there's a very serious warning. Sorry, there's a very serious warning as well at the end. I just want us to look at this. Um, verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. It is very serious to take away from God's word or to add to it. And uh, we are all tempted to add what we wish God was like at times or want him to say. Or we take things away from God's word. I found a marvellous example of that. I was reading uh, a blog called Surviving Church. Um, yes, there is, really is a blog called Surviving Church. And uh, somebody had written a, uh, a piece about it. In fact, the person who runs the blog about how, from the book of Revelation, about God's unconditional love and how everyone will be saved. And it was a marvellous piece, actually, in many ways, but the only problem was it left out all the difficult parts of Revelation. All the difficult parts, and we're going to come to one in verse 15, which remind us that sinners who haven't turned back to Jesus will not be part of that new heavens and new earth. And indeed, um, I'm not tempted, I don't, I very rarely do I comment on blogs, but I was just about to, and then I saw that... Um, Indeed, that Chris Green, the um, vice principal of Oak Hill Theological College, then posted the first comment and he quoted a number of verses from Revelation that this person had missed. And he said, it doesn't quite fit, does it? Somebody taking away from God's word. 
We need to be careful of that. This is God's perfect word that brings life. So let's keep his true and trustworthy word. Then secondly, continue to be holy. Continue to be holy. Verse 11 seems a strange verse, doesn't it? Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. I think that is just picking up the consistent message of the Bible and indeed of Revelation. There are only two groups of people in this world. There are those who in their hearts want to do wrong and want to continue to do wrong and want to live with themselves in charge of their lives. And those whose hearts want to live with Jesus in charge and as Jesus wants. They want to grow in Christ-likeness. That is what holiness means. And all the way through Revelation, we've seen that there is darkness and light, good and bad. There is the lamb and the beast. There is the God and his eternal purposes, his loving purposes to save sinners, set against Satan and his destructive purposes. There is the new Jerusalem, the city of righteousness and life, and the city of Babylon, the city of wickedness and death. And the book of Revelation says all the time, who will you follow? Where do you live? Where are you heading? Whose side are you on? Who are you worshipping? And worshipping God means growing like his son. Continue to be holy. But there are others who will just carry on doing the things that they want. I wonder, did you see the fascinating program about the preparations for the coronation? People and places were smartened up. They always are when something's happening to the royals. There was painting and polishing, cleaning and sweeping. Um, everything was working properly. People and places ready for the king. And of course, the coming of King Jesus is, is far, far more important, isn't it, than the coronation of King Charles. And I want to encourage us uh, this new year to take some time to reflect. What area of your life do you need Jesus to help you to change? What do we need to change as a church? What attitude do you and I need to change? What habit do we need to battle? Maybe we've stopped battling and we need to restart and know the Spirit's help. Where do we need to be more loving, more patient, more gentle, more humble, more self-controlled, more forgiving, better at listening. Let's continue to grow in Christ's likeness. Then thirdly, 
Let's take his judgment seriously. Look at verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. Jesus is coming soon, and he's coming to judge. There will be a judgment of what people have done. And I want to encourage people to take his judgment seriously. How can you not, having read Revelation? How can you not, if you take seriously the teaching of the Lord Jesus? And look at his authority to say this and to judge. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Three times Jesus says that he is the eternal God. There is nobody before him. There is nobody after him. He brought everything into existence and he will bring everything to a close. And that closure will be, will be the judging of the living and the dead. And let me say that includes every single one of us. And then he says on verse 16, look, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Let me say, not just the true descendant of David, but also the root of that line. He started it. The eternal son. And he's the bright morning star. He's the herald of a new day. The one bringing in the new creation. So take his judgment seriously. If the new creation is coming, there can be nothing of the old, rebellious, sinful creation present. No evil. No sinners. And that judgment is totally just and absolutely unavoidable. And the division is made clear, isn't it, in verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Can I encourage us? to keep clear in our witness that all people are sinners, that we all fall short of what God wants, and we're all heading to judgment. Only then will people see why Jesus had to die for them and understand God's extraordinary love for sinners in sending his one and only son to die for them. And taking his judgment seriously means that we will persevere in our uh, getting the gospel out to people. It's fascinating that the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians is motivated both by the judgment of God and the love of God. It was wonderful. What a joy over Christmas. What a great joy it was. Wonderful services to have so many visitors with us. I don't know if you, if you met the two girls who were visiting from Paris. I said to them, you know, you know, have you got families to go to? And Buck says, no, we're trying to get away from our families. It's a little bit sad, actually. But um, 
They said, no, we want to turn up to a, to a service. They said they were agnostics. And so they were given a copy of Andrew Satch's book, Are You 100% Sure You're Agnostic? And one of them said, I am 100% sure that I'm an agnostic. I said, this is the book for you. <laughs> Pray for them. Pray for the people who came. Think about how you can move people forward. Because judgment is coming. We know one family who have been asked nearly every year for 25 years and they came for a first time this Christmas Eve. Let's make that the priority through 2024. So easy to be, have our time consumed by other things and miss out. And then fourthly, and this comes in the context immediately after that third point, enjoy the blessing of salvation. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Here is the blessing for all who turn to Jesus. Here is the love of God for sinners. Washing is a picture of repenting and receiving cleansing and forgiveness of sins through Jesus' death. I hope that we wash every day. But this washing matters far more, doesn't it? Because only those who've washed their robes are saved. With washing comes access the right to the tree of life and entry into the heavenly city. Think again of the coronation. Everybody dressed up for the coronation, didn't they? And uh, we love dressing up for big occasions. There is no bigger occasion than the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ or when we meet him. Are you dressed rightly for the coming of Jesus? Look at it, only those who've washed their robes are saved. Isaiah 64 says that our supposed righteous deeds were like filthy rags to God. So before anyone becomes a Christian, even our imagined righteousness is like filthy rags to God. But every sinner needs to be cleansed. Every sinner needs to be washed. And no amount of good deeds can remove the stain of sin. But the blood of Jesus can. Revelation 7, as I... Um, well, I talked about Revelation 1, but Revelation 7, the question is asked, who are these people in white robes? And the answer is those who've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It is the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb. That is the only way that we can be clean. That is God's way of dealing with our sin so we can be cleansed and forgiven. And let me say, it's not that we're sinless if we've turned and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, but we've trusted Jesus and go on trusting Jesus to cleanse us. Our sins are washed away. Can I ask, are you dressed for the occasion? Are you certain that you've responded to this invitation. Again, that is an invitation we need to keep clear to every unbeliever that uh, through 2024, that is the way that we can be washed and cleansed.
But then there is an invitation to every Christian to keep coming to Jesus and to enjoy all the blessings of salvation. Look at verse 17. Let me say there are different comings here. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. So the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, calls for the return of Jesus. So does the suffering and persecuted church. So does the believer in verse 20. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The Apostle John, the believing church. Let me say that possibly we don't say this because we don't live with real suffering and persecution. Of course, we live with the suffering of, in a fallen world, but where the church is under great, great pressure, these words resonate more, don't they? But it is the cry of every believer, come Lord Jesus. But then there's the continued response of the Christian, now in the present, right through. Look at verse 17. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. All wonderfully free. His grace. Wonderfully free. Now these words find their origin in Isaiah 55 which Alan will be preaching on through January. What a marvellous chapter to start the new year. But what an invitation this is to keep coming to Jesus to keep coming to Jesus. If we've trusted him, we're united to him. To keep coming, to have our thirst quenched, our spiritual thirst quenched by him. Imagine somebody said to you that they were low or in despair or depressed. What would you say to that person in 2024? Now, there are practical things to say. Go to bed and get a good night's sleep. But some people can't sleep. Go out with friends for a good meal. Some people don't have friends. Perhaps get some medication. But all of us can encourage each other with Jesus. Come to Jesus. You're united to Jesus. Think of all the blessings and spiritual riches we have in Jesus. Just take time to meditate on them in the new year. Freed from the punishment of sin. Freed from the power of sin. One day to be freed from the presence of sin. Forgiveness of sin. We're declared righteous because of Jesus, we're clothed in white robes of righteousness. We're reconciled and at peace with God. We're adopted into God's family. Our loving Heavenly Father is delighted with us as his children. We're indwelt by his Spirit. As somebody said once to me, that's all very generous of God, isn't it, Bob? Why on earth are you grumbling? Well, let's keep coming to Jesus and enjoying the blessings of salvation. And of course, 
there will be this side of heaven, there will be suffering and tears, there will be disease and death, there will be pain, there will be sorrow in 2024. But look at the last verse, wonderful verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. His grace is sufficient for us all in the coming year. Let's pray. Father God, we do indeed thank you for these marvellous last words. Thank you that they are true and trustworthy. Help us to let them dwell in our hearts richly so that we may indeed enjoy all the spiritual riches and blessings that we have through his salvation, through the salvation that the Lord Jesus brings. Father, for those who are doubting, please reassure them. For those who are not yet Christian, please bring them into your kingdom. May they indeed know what it is to have their sins forgiven, to be cleansed, to be clothed in white robes, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And please help us all through 2024 to worship you with all of our lives, to obey your word, and to grow in Christ-likeness. Father, please help us not to be preoccupied with all the practical things that need to be sorted out, but to please you above all in growing like Christ, in growing like Christ. And we thank you again for the glorious hope that we have in Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. For we ask it in his name. Amen.